Welcome back to episode number seven on the wealth of self. Today's guest is Stephanie Sinclair Howard, someone I am honored to call a very good friend and someone I've gotten much closer to over the course of my time here. Stephanie's a professional photographer and a small business owner serving clients in and around the nation's capital. But her story didn't start out that way, of course. Stephanie's the product of a military household with a mom and dad who both served in the United States Army. She was born in Georgia and spent the first year of her life there before her family relocated to South Carolina. This was an interesting move. It meant they were about 12 hours away from family in Chicago and roughly the same distance from the remainder of the family in Louisiana. And even though this meant a lot of car rides and getting to experience a lot of subcultures across the United States, there was still some geographic isolation from people who were very important to her. Stephanie was incredibly involved in high school, competing in marching band and even bowling, which carried her through her college career on a scholarship. But when she was about 18, she experienced something that was rather traumatic, the separation of her parents. This is a story many of us know all too well. These were the two people who had been there for her every step of the way, and to see them separated was devastating. It took Stephanie nearly 10 years to reconcile the emotions of that event. But through it, she persevered, and she's now pursuing a career that she loves with joy, passion, and creativity. And that's what we're here to talk about. So without further ado, let's kick this podcast off with Stephanie Sinclair Howard. Welcome back from the intro, and we are right back here with Stephanie Sinclair Howard. I'm going to turn it over to her. I have to say, I've had the privilege of working with Stephanie on a number of occasions now, and it's been a joy each and every time, and I'm just excited for everyone to learn a little bit more about someone I consider a very good friend. So, how's it going, Stephanie? It's going all is well. Yeah. Yes. So, you had a little bit of a, a client conflict today, which is normal in mm -hmm. the business world, especially mm -hmm. when you're dealing with multiple things. Um, how would the resolution for that go? Uh, we rescheduled. Uh, good. I yeah. was like, I got somewhere else to be. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's reschedule. And thankfully, this was an easy client. So, he was like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, we're just going to push it on to tomorrow and business as usual. Excellent. At 1130 a.m. tomorrow. There we go. Most people are amenable. They understand yeah. that things come up or things change. And yeah. uh, so long as it's not really locked in stone, you can usually make those pivots pretty easily. That's but it. I have to say, I'm just honored thank you for coming in thank you for um, having me absolutely I, I dc has represented a, it's an interesting time in my life where i feel like for me it's been tough to make good friends and get close with people yeah. i think a part of that was the covid thing but yes. um it's it's you know it's a big city and it can feel lonely sometimes and just by you know happenstance we we got linked up on i think it was a tolman shoot 
And mm-hmm. from that point forward, we've done a really good job of maintaining contact. And I'm deeply appreciative. Yes. And now we that. can't get rid of each other. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we've hung out like three of the last six days, I think. Yes. Whether it was at the house for dinner. Or family members. NBA and game all with Michael. Yeah. yeah. You and my so, husband have this bromance. I'm liking it. It's amazing. Totally cut me out, which is fine. <laughs> I'm cool with it. But, yeah. Well, I think when you... And you start to get closer with someone, you know, details about their life and their past just sort of naturally emerge. And Mm -hmm. that's always been a point of curiosity for me when I meet new people is it's like, you know, how did you get to where you're at? That's uh, that's something that fascinates me. And I think we're all on a very long journey. That's it. And who we're talking to right now, maybe, (laughs) you know, 360 or 180 or whatever direction you want to go in in the next couple of years. But I want to learn more about how you got to where you're at now okay. and, and some of the events that really shaped you in your early life, because Definitely. those are things I've picked up on gradually, but this is a chance to really fully hear get that, into it. Hear that story. Get into it. Yeah. So tell me about your early life. Oh, my early life. Um, so technically I am a Georgia peach. Um, where in Georgia? Fort Stewart, Georgia, where nobody knows where that is. <laughs> Only unless you're military. Okay. Um, so that speaks to uh, my origin. Both of my parents were in the army. That's how they met. Excellent. Um, had my sister along the way in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Go figure. Wow. Um, and me and I got Georgia. How about that? Continental. Um, no shade yeah. to Georgia, but I mean, it's not Hawaii. I'm just saying. Um, so yeah, so they had me there in uh, Fort Stewart, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And by the time I turned maybe one years old, I was already in South Carolina, which is where I was raised for the next couple of decades, um, until after college and all the things. But, Mm -hmm. um, South Carolina is, those are my roots and that's my stomping ground. That's what I know. Um, although I have visited Georgia here and there, um, and I used to live there and, closer to the Atlanta side, but mm-hmm. Fort Stewart is just outside of Savannah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I had a really good childhood though. It was, it was quite, um, colorful mm-hmm. and, um, some highs and lows, but more than anything, I had a lot of positive experiences and yeah. I think my parents raised us, my sister and I to be quite well rounded. Yeah. So, and, and reading Good. through some of your entries, it's it sounded like you had a really storybook childhood, you know, yeah, outside in the neighborhood playing until the lights go down, yeah. you know, with your friends. The street That's, lights came on. Exactly. Barefoot running in the grass. Yeah, yeah. Came in itching because you've been rolling in the grass all day, <laughs> <laughs> playing in the dirt. So. Seasonal allergies going yeah, on. Yeah, just a good old yeah. Southern childhood. Um, and my parents were, they're very vibrant too. So they, um, they would play in the neighborhood. It's like... For whatever reason, we lived at, at a corner. Um, we lived at an intersection um, in our neighborhood, and we just had the largest backyard on the block. Nice. So 30 kids after school will come over to our house, and we're playing kickball with two yeah. adults, which yeah. are my parents. And They're living it up. It sounds like it was a blast for them, too. Yeah. So it kept them in shape. That is for sure. We all slept well at yeah. the end of the night, um, but well, it was... Was the move up there, uh, according to your parents, was it part of their career shift? Because with the military households, you're you're oftentimes moving all over the place. So. Well, so they did move around a bit before I was born, but okay. I kind of came right at the tail end. So mm-hmm. um, they pretty much... My mom had, was already out at the time, and then my dad had just gotten out mm-hmm. maybe a year or so 
um, before, I think he might have gotten out in 80, 90, maybe 90. Mm-hmm. I was born in 89. Um, so they were pretty much settling. However, right. there was a family house in mm-hmm. um, Florence, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Again, nobody probably knows where that is. Florence, South Carolina. The big city of, um, everybody loves Myrtle Beach, but nevertheless. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's about 70 miles or so from Myrtle Beach, um, but that's where my family settled. Mm-hmm. And so that's essentially where they decided to do life and raise their family. Yeah. Um, very, very far from their childhood homes. 12 hours, you <laughs> Tw- said, right? 12 hours north and 12 hours south. My yeah. mom is from Louisiana and my mm-hmm. dad is from Chicago. So, yeah. yeah, you know, South Carolina, it just literally was like a triangle. That's a trek. And I think, you yeah. know, as I've ventured up to Canada more doing mm-hmm. like car trips and whatnot, you, you get to about that eight or nine hour mark and you're like, it's time you know, to fly. And then the mood starts to shift and right. people's attitudes get a little <laughs> short and you run out of snacks. It, it gets it gets a little tough that last leg. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so we had a good we had a good childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my parents were very, very present, mm-hmm. um, very, very active, very involved, just as involved as yeah, we it's were. so important. That's so important. So. Well, when you talk about being as far away from family as you were, mm-hmm. um, you have a unique situation where geography separated you. Yeah. When I think back about, you know, my upbringing, I was born to parents who were significantly older mm-hmm. than the average mm-hmm. parent. And I was sort of in this phase where a lot of my grandparents were at the very end of their lives. Yeah. So it wasn't a geography issue necessarily, but it was a time limiting factor where Mm. I only had them for a couple of years before they weren't really a part of my picture anymore. Understood. So that same sort of isolation exists for both of us in some ways. And how did that sort of shape your early years? Because in a lot of ways, a grandparent or an aunt or any of these people are very influential figures in someone's upbringing. So how'd you deal with that? They're the village for sure. Um, So our parents, for whatever reason, they did not want to fly. So we flew nowhere. (laughs) Um, We drove everywhere. But a lot of road trips. Oh, man, a <laughs> lot. Now, as an adult, I'm like, if it doesn't have wings, yeah, we need to reconsider. But um, but yeah, so we would basically uh, travel to Louisiana, spend mm-hmm. summers at a time. So we'll be in school for nine months. We'll be out of out of school for the summer. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we're out within a week, we're in Louisiana until the week before school starts back again. So it was kind of like making up for lost time, but Mm -hmm. that I really appreciate that because it allowed for us to establish our relationships with them, um, to just become more well acquainted with the culture because you got Southern culture, but then you've got that deep South culture too. Right. So within the South, there are pockets Mm -hmm. of cultures. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got Charleston that has their own culture. Then you've got, Maybe Florence mm-hmm. or, you know, then you got Florida down there and then you've got Louisiana and Texas yeah, and where everything's yeah. big. So, right. you know, um, yeah, I I think those were some of my best memories um, growing up as a child in the South, but also spending summers in the deep South yeah, um, and making those connections. And then, um, you know, during the holiday season, sometimes we will go up to Chicago mm-hmm. and the big city. Ooh, in the winter and in the fall, that's that's tough. Um, yeah, it's a cold, cold place. People don't realize how cold Chicago people gets. People don't really realize how painful 
<laughs> oh, the, the wind, wind. The cut. In Chicago is the wind just, it just hurts your body. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it hurts your jacket. Um, But yeah, but that was also a part of my upbringing. Mm-hmm. So I would eat Chicago dogs up north and there we go. boudin balls and meat pies and beignets down <laughs> south. So, <laughs> you know, just. You just go with it, and that stuff helps to shape you. Yeah. So. Well, going back to your parents, they were at the end of their military careers at that point. Yeah. A lot of people who are involved with the armed forces will conclude their service, and then a lot of if they're younger and they got in really young, they will mm-hmm. go on to pursue what they'll call a second career in some instances. Yeah. Were your parents in that boat, or how did they navigate the end of that period of their lives? Um. So they did, I guess maybe they probably took the second career path, mm-hmm. I guess, just basically adjusting to life as a civilian. Right. Um, but as far as their military career ended or ending, it did end just shortly after I was born. Yeah. So I didn't really get a whole lot of that exposure. Um, yeah. I do remember like the army fatigue jackets and pants. And mm-hmm. I was like, these clothes are weird. Why is everything so <laughs> green and tan and brown and right. black and green? Like, and then I remember seeing a couple of the army shirts, the gray shirts yeah. with just the black word army across yep. the chest. Classic the chest. right there. Yep. Coming out of the laundry. And, um, it was like peanut butter, but it came in this brown bag. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that doesn't look MRE. like a peanut butter, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so it was like macaroni in a brown bag. And I was like, wait a second. Mm, I mean, the math is not mathing. Like my macaroni doesn't come out of a brown bag and it's already cooked. Like what is, what those is are, Those this? are so, calorie dense though. Those MREs, those are serious business oh, right there. Yeah. I, um, I didn't take Will to, to those, but yeah. I do remember my dad, um, shining his boots uh-huh. and having this jar of black polish, shoe mm-hmm. polish and this rag that yeah. smelt the whole house of chemicals. Oh being no, that stuff's strong. Uh, yes. Um, he had, those uh or he had that he Mm -hmm. had duffel bags he you know all the things so um I got just a taste of that Mm -hmm. um towards the end of his career and and didn't know what it was yeah um but nevertheless I I do appreciate the time that my parents served of course. And it sounds like that that conclusion of that part of their lives opened them up as far as their time availability to spend the summers yeah. down in Louisiana or go up to Chicago and these kind of things. And yeah. I think a lot of folks who are really heavy into their careers find that getting away mm-hmm. from the job to make some family time is exceedingly difficult. Yeah. So that's a blessing in and of itself yeah. that they were able to provide that for you and, and the other family members. For sure. So and they did believe in yeah. dropping us off too, child, because we yeah. must have got on their nerves. But <laughs> they did believe in dropping us off. See y'all in a few months. Y'all will be all right. And See we'll ya. come back like 10 shades darker from that good old deep southern sun. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Good times, good memories. Well, America is so diverse. You talk a little bit about how, yeah. you know, there are these different pockets of culture wherever you were visiting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there there are instances where people don't have those opportunities to go to the neighboring city or the neighboring state. You were blessed yeah. also in that way to get this exposure across the United States. You had Chicago, big city yeah. feel. You had South Carolina. You had Georgia. Louisiana. Well, briefly, yeah. and then in Louisiana. Yeah. So how what did you take away from, from that sort of across the United States, that exposure from all these different places? Um, Just don't be afraid to travel. Mm -hmm. And then the different textures and colors of America, just, you know, it's one country, but 
literally the cultures are so different. Just like how you said, there are pockets mm-hmm. of these small little worlds within America. And, you know, it's the first time I was exposed to mountains. Yeah. You know, going up through Tennessee and Kentucky to Louise, I mean, to uh, Chicago mm-hmm. and then, you know, cutting through Atlanta. And I was like, oh, this is a really big city, oh, you yeah. know, so I got exposed to that. Um, and then coming through Alabama, Mississippi and then Louisiana. I mean, the first time I saw some very random animals <laughs> that I had never <laughs> seen before, like like, um, oh, gosh, what are the hogs? Uh, the, oh, boars, right? The bo- yeah. Hairy, like, hairy pigs, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. And armadillos. And Those things. things are invasive. And they're incredibly they're, invasive species. Yeah, I don't. I don't desire to ever interact. With no, those and they're again. vicious too. They're, they are. They're rude. Yeah, yeah. they They'll are. Take out a leg if um, you're in the way. It's a dangerous animal. But I was like, I don't know what that is. That's not a dog or a cat. Um, yeah, we're just gonna go this way. Let's stay a little bit further away. Yeah. Well, in inside of this, also, you were you were in a developmental phase for you personally. You were also involved in a lot of extracurricular yeah. stuff. So as you progressed through your schooling mm-hmm. range, you were in band, you were playing yep. sports, you were involved yep. in these ex, ex, outside activities. Mm-hmm. What, what were some of those for you? And and uh, it's a big time commitment, and it's a big yes. time commitment not just for you but for the parents. As for well. sure, um, every year I was in band and track and bowling my parents were in band and track and bowling Mm -hmm. um, and my sister as well. So she would do four years of band and I would come right behind her and do my four years. So my parents got eight straight years of (laughs) of being band parents, like not just dropping us off at school, you know, and you travel everywhere. They were on the buses too Mm -hmm. with us. They were at the, 12 hour, 18 hour day competitions with us yep. too. They were in the sun handing out water and swatting nets, yeah. you know, too. <laughs> like, so they really put in their time. Um, band also helped shape me though, because I had a, a band director that was quite influential mm-hmm. um, and very, very hard and very strict on us, but mm-hmm. he was no nonsense, but he was very excellent at what he did. Um, yeah. And he kept a lot of generations of students in line. Yeah. Um, it was one of him and hundreds of us. Um, it's a formative activity. Yeah. If you've got a good director and your school's competitive, it's yes. serious business. Yes, it people is. People don't think about it. You know, it's like the band kid sort of yeah, ideology. Know, it's <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous because the right. schools that are serious about band are mm-hmm. legit. Yes. They're good. And they do not play. No. Um, but, but band also, but music is a language in mm-hmm. and of itself. So, you know, that I appreciate because that was like my first foreign language that I learned. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I would like to consider. Um, so band was um, a very instrumental, <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> band was a very instrumental part of my life. Yeah. Um, and then bowling. So yeah. um, so here's the timeline. Band was sixth grade until 12th grade. Wow. Um, but bowling was six years old yeah. until... 22 right um were you in school leagues for bowling not high school so there was a break there um about four years Mm -hmm. because i couldn't bowl and compete right because band competitions and bowling competitions were were all on saturdays they were both on the same day so i had to choose and um that sucked but then again maybe it was best for me anyway to you know establish a new community Mm -hmm. of friends around me um and just to be social so that wasn't a problem but 
I was like, well, bowling, I can always come back to. Right. I can be an old woman and still bowl. That's if a I lifelong to, sport. I don't know how many 60 year old women are as long outside you don't screw up your playing, wrists, right? up, <laughs> playing an instrument. So, um, so I put bowling on pause cause I knew that I can come back to it. And that's mm-hmm. just what I did. Um, but while I was in high school, um, you had one season where you were, um, I guess it was the fall, mm-hmm. um, one season where you were marching and, um, competing yeah. what, and whatnot. However, during the spring mm-hmm. I was running track. Yeah. Um, and so literally I, I put down the instrument and picked up a pair of spikes. So it was, yeah. it was like alternating, 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 alternating. And my sister did the same thing, right. alternating, alternating, alternating yeah. Yeah. between band and track. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was eight straight years of non stop, um, for my parents oh, yeah. and definitely for my dad. Um, he's the one who had got me into bowling just mm-hmm. being a daddy's girl and following him yeah. everywhere. Um, that's how I picked it up. But it paid off because it paid my way through college, mm-hmm. that part. The bowling part did. Yep. Really? So there was a scholarship in, involved yes. with your bowling activities. That is the first time I've ever yes, heard I'm about sure. that. Yes, I'm sure. It's the first time usually anybody that I tell wow. has ever heard about that. Wow. <laughs> so um, I did it for uh, four, no, three and a half out of my four and a half years. Really? At South Carolina State University. Go Bulldogs. Wow. But yeah, so it was, it was a thing. I don't think they have a team now anymore, but the sport does still exist, Mm -hmm. um, amongst women. Um, and yeah, we would compete against some schools up here past the DMV, like Delaware State and Maryland Eastern Shore. And they were good. But yeah, so I enjoyed it though. I I did. That also helped shape my college career, which is another story for another day. But, but Yeah. It well, was those good. Collegiate athletes, I always looked to them and, and thought they've got a really exciting four years here. Because even at the lower level yeah. sports, they were traveling regularly, going out mm-hmm. for competitions across state lines, across yep. the country in some instances. And I went to a big school, you know, I went to uh, University of Missouri, mm-hmm. 35,000, 40,000 student body, D1. We had 5,000 students in yeah, there. Five. Right? <laughs> they had like at Mizzou, they had like a Quidditch league. Right. From Harry Potter. Not a, you know, a real sport. It'd be cool if it was. But these kids even were going like to California to compete in like a. (laughs) It was serious business. Yeah. So I always looked at that and I was like that, that, you know, to have been involved a little more seriously in some of those sporting activities would have been fun. Not Quidditch necessarily. but (laughs) Goodness gracious. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I would say that that's definitely one of my my highlights I guess mm-hmm. as a student because I was an adult a young yeah. adult then at the time but mm-hmm. um and I still am hold on wait a minute um but <laughs> but yeah I enjoyed um that season of my life mm-hmm. I established relationships and friendships literally that I still hold on to today mm-hmm. and that coach who coached me when I was 22 is very much still an active part of my life now. That's awesome. So, and she's still in South Carolina, but yeah. every time I'm in South Carolina, she knows. Pay a visit. Yeah. That's excellent. Every time. Excellent. Well, I wanted to shift a little bit. We've been very positive in our conversational topics up to this yes. point, but there was one <laughs> formative, you know, instance <laughs> when you were 18, you had a, a parent separation. There was a yes. divorce involved there. And um, I have m- many friends who have had parents divorce. And I mm-hmm. think every situation is different. Everyone handles that differently. Yeah. But I'm curious to hear your journey through that process because 
it could be heartbreaking. You know, it yeah. could be an alleviation of stresses in some instances. But again, I think it's totally unique for each and every yeah situation. Because, so. um, like I said, I had such a um, well-rounded um, and very loving childhood. Yeah. Um, it, it made it very hard for me, very traumatic. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, I have a sister who's a few years older than I, she's, she's almost four years older than me. And so she, so at the time I was 18, she was 22. Mm -hmm. Um, she was already a college student. She was already out of school right. working on her master's and yep. all the things. Um, however, I was still very much in the thick of it. Um, very much still present. Mm -hmm. Um, with the divorce yeah. actually having having seen them go from married to yeah, yeah separated, separated. Mm -hmm. to divorce and like to see that um that was extremely jarring mm -hmm. for an 18 year old who was quite oblivious yeah. to probably what was going on you know behind the scenes or just that it was some um some tension there yeah um that's so, all you had known up to that point in time i mean 18 years of your life you spent seeing that model but you're in a bubble or at least i i was mm -hmm. um and maybe you know that was a good thing that my you know my parents chose to shield me from that or mm -hmm. just as just another form of protection like you know, if I were in their shoes, how would I want to protect my child or right. children from something like that? Yeah. I would just keep life as normal as possible. Mm -hmm. You're going to still stay focused in your studies and yeah. your extracurricular activities. Yeah. Um, do what you need to do to stay on the right path. Mm -hmm. um, and don't worry about any adult business. Right. Um, possibly. I don't know. I'm not a parent, but I would assume so. Yeah. Um, but also, too, I would just um, think that my parents handled it as best as they could. Um, but. Although they, although they handled it as best as they could, um, it doesn't take away from the fact that it was still very traumatic. It was yeah. still very jarring. Um, and from that, it took me a long time to really heal, really understand and process my feelings and mm -hmm. my emotions yeah. regarding the divorce. Um, you know, my parents got the divorce, but I felt like I got a divorce too. Yeah, you, you know? were right in the thick of it. Right. Yeah. And my sister and I were in the middle. So it's like, you know, the parents and a lot of times I guess people can probably relate when you have when you're married and you have children and you decide to go your separate ways for whatever reason um, that is. The children are now forced to be in a position where they have to choose and decide, not necessarily choose and decide which parent over or one over the other parent yeah. for which they love. But. You know, I mean, think about Christmas and think about Thanksgiving, All think about holidays, holidays. Yeah. think about, you know, like, oh, but then what if one moves yeah. out of the same city? You know, yeah. it's not like I can just drive from this house to that house and be there in 15 yeah. minutes, you yeah. know, but if they if there's a little more distance, geographically speaking, mm -hmm. um, then you have to choose. Right. You know, I mean, um, you're immediately presented with all these conflicts that yeah. you really weren't even it's like, I signing didn't sign up, up for, for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, but it's a real thing. And you just you do the best that you can. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that the days won't be hard. Um, but you still, you still love your family nevertheless. Right. Um, you just have to redefine your normal. Mm -hmm. And so that's what my sister and I did over the years. Mm -hmm. We redefined our normal, um, and made the best of it. Yeah. So. Well, again, I think, you know, you look at the divorce rates in the United States today and it's yeah. staggering. It really yes. is. 
They're and, extremely high. And yep. at that time when the divorce happened in 2007, 2007, mm-hmm. um, it was still a little taboo. Yeah. Like you could probably count on one hand how many people that you knew experienced divorce. Yeah. Um, it was more, there were more of my friends whose parents were still married together. Mm-hmm. Um, however, nowadays it's, it's very, very different, very yeah. different. Yeah. Um, it's almost like divorce is the new normal. Um, yeah. Which it shouldn't be, but yeah. yeah. So nowadays the, the, the percentage of divorces are astronomical. Yeah. And if you look back really far back historically, yeah. I mean, divorce was seriously taboo. It was yeah. something that you didn't ever discuss. You didn't of. disclose and people would live their whole lives. I think people still do probably live their whole lives in unhappy situations just yeah. because they don't want to deal with that. You know what you might stigma, call stigma, shame, whatever mm-hmm. accompanies that kind of event. But, you know, I, I much like yourself, I grew up with a, a family of mom and a dad who had a just a what I always determined to be a very rock steady yeah marriage and it 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 informed and continues to inform the way that I pursue relationships and yeah. think about the future of my life when I think about you know my life with Cheryl divorce isn't even in like a concept in my head yeah does that mean it doesn't exist sure it exists but it's one of those things where I'm always sort of modeling behavior mm-hmm. off of what I experienced growing up so and that's great and how long were your parents married uh, 33 years I think they married yeah. later in life yeah um, but up until my mom's passing you know they were they were solid yeah. i mean they bickered and whatnot of and every, course yeah, everybody does. they're married of yes because we're human yes but yeah and my parents were married for 20 years so mm-hmm. i am grateful for that mm-hmm. um and i can't i can't be like i i can't be mad yeah. at, like i had both of my parents for 20 years literally my entire childhood mm-hmm. um so you know, you just, you take it for what it is and what it was and you celebrate the moments that you had and the pictures that you have. That's why pictures are so important, you guys. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and then, and then life continues to evolve. It does. It doesn't stop. It Mm -mm. stops for no one, but it's a good segue point because the reason we ever even we're acquainted with one another is right. because you're a business owner, you're a photographer, you're That's creative. <laughs> and um, I'm interested for you to take us on that journey. You know, you're exiting college, you may have a degree under your belt at this point. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point in time, you have to take that leap of faith and say, yeah, I'm going to try and do this on my own. Mm-hmm. What did those critical years navigating an office job or a corporate space and then yeah. making that leap? What did it look like for you? Um, it was very short. Mm-hmm. I will say that um, I graduated in 20. Oh, yeah, I graduated in 2011. Mm-hmm. And I then went right into becoming a, a foster care social worker in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I got into higher education and I did higher education for about maybe three years if that what was your area of expertise there um i was working in admissions so i was the front door i got to experience students or Mm -hmm. prospective students with their parents Mm -hmm. and mamas leaving their babies for the first time oh yeah um dropping them off to college and all the things and walking in the sun showing them what the door so you were a college tour guide i was all the things like all the pieces are aligning your bubbly demeanor (laughs) 
is absolutely <laughs> yeah. spot on yeah for a for a campus tour guide so, yeah so yeah. i did tour guides i admitted people mm-hmm. um some people had to be rejected or denied or you right. know of course so right. that process you know it was a part of the process mm-hmm. um i met some cool people oh yeah um, i met felicia rashad too. did you really i did were you at your alma mater at this time or you had shifted into a new academic? So I had shifted. So we're going to speed pass um, social work or foster care social worker, even though that was in Columbia, South Carolina. That was cool, too. That was phase one. Um, and then that you was made, phase one. I and then okay. I shifted to Atlanta, where okay. I was wor- working at Clark Atlanta University, mm-hmm. um, which is another historically black university. And um, got into higher ed and just... I loved it at yeah. Clark Atlanta. I loved it. And then I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Like it's a big spot. A, it's a big, big spot. colorful spot. Like it's always something to do there. Now consider I'm coming from South Carolina. Right. No knocks to South Carolina, but it's not the big city. It's not Atlanta. <laughs> it's not Atlanta. My so. experience with South Carolina is Columbia. And <laughs> I mean, I think Columbia tends yeah. to be right in that middle zone, maybe middle to small. Yes. I mean, they've got the uh, the Gamecocks there, so it's a big yeah, college. They do. But well, the college, sometimes the college is the city. Right. <laughs> so, um, but nevertheless, Atlanta was um, eventful. And mm-hmm. I was only there for nine months mm-hmm. before I got promoted to University of D.C. here in Washington, D.C. Oh, and nice. then that was a major leap because yeah. I had my sister with me in Atlanta. She had already gone before me. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of years prior. Right. And so, and also she went to school at another HBCU, Savannah State University. Mm-hmm. And she, um, so she migrated from Savannah to Atlanta. Yeah. Um, she was also in higher ed. So it was like, yeah, you my guys best are friend is my roommate. Is my pod, sister, all the way. I, yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, thanks to her, she also helped expose me. Mm-hmm. Um, to life outside of Carolina, mm-hmm. um, just to expand my network, expand my vision, right. expand um, my perspective of understanding that there is so much more to life mm-hmm. than South Carolina. Yeah. Once you break outside um, of that that sort of bubble, yeah, there's the whole like, world out there. There's a whole world out here. Yeah. It's you exciting. Know, and not just Louisiana and Chicago. Right. Like, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I was a tour guide, of course, mm-hmm. and it's so fitting. You're right for my personality. <laughs> um, and I enjoyed that. But then yeah. I kind of stayed, I still stayed um, on the admissions side in mm-hmm. a different capacity, kind of more on the customer service side. I gotcha. Um, once I came to UDC and um, working with the University of DC, um, I did it, but I found that it wasn't quite fulfilling for me. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think made you feel that way? Um, I don't, I don't know. Actually, I just didn't feel like this was it. And, you know, and I've spoken to you so much um, about how God is my center. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he does speak about how he creates this life for us to live abundantly. And yeah. I was just like, okay, well, Lord, am I living an abundant life? Yeah. This is like nine to five. I'm constantly in this DC traffic, which I absolutely hate. Got to get a scooter, man. And and I'm super stressed out from the workload because it's it's just a lot. I'm making a ton of money, but I don't even have time to spend it. Like I'm eating cereal for dinner. This Mm -hmm. is not the move. Like this is this can't be your best for me. This Mm -hmm. can't be. 
Um, so yeah, and it was work around the clock. I was taking work home. I was staying late. I was working on the weekends. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was, it was definitely an experience that forced me to grow. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't dismiss it at all. I did also enjoy UDC. Please let me be clear. I also did enjoy it, but I did feel that there was a shift happening. Um, and with that being said, I decided to make the leap. Yeah. That's a big one. That was scary. (laughs) To go from corporate. Oh, yeah. um, That was scary. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing. But I was like, yep, the shift is happening. And whether I'm ready or not, it's happening. Um, So I just leaned into it. Thanks for tuning in to the Wealth of Self podcast. The audio-only version of these stories can be found on nearly every major podcast streaming platform from Spotify to Apple Podcasts and many, many more. Your support as we grow this movement is immensely appreciated. You can help us out by leaving a rating, writing a short review, or even sharing it with a friend or a loved one who you feel would benefit from hearing these stories. Finally, If you're interested in seeing the video interview that accompanies these stories, head over to our YouTube channel or our Facebook page for the full viewing experience. While you're there, don't forget to leave a like, subscribe, or follow the channel, and share your thoughts in the comment section. For additional information on how to support the Wealth of Self, head over to www.wealthofself.com. Now, let's get back to the interview. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what you have to do. It's some yeah. people have said, well, you can't have a plan B because yeah. that is an admission of the failure of plan A. Yeah. Not that that's a good strategy. I don't recommend people follow that necessarily. <laughs> but I think when I reflect on my own journey into the creative space, it was this sort of longing for quite a while mm-hmm. where I was seeing these videos on YouTube, people traveling, making travel documentaries, uh, travel vlogs, things like this. And I was yeah. just like, I would love to do that. Yeah. And it was this subtle sort of motivation that went on behind the scenes while I did the nine to five situation. Mm -hmm. And eventually I was like, we got to make a move and try and make this happen. And it was a slow process. It was strategic, at least in my estimation. But what did it look like for you? I mean, was there an interest in photography early on that was sort of like, I got to start to figure this out. That I I hadn't mentioned. Um, I think my earliest memory of having uh, been introduced to photography was probably when I stole my sister's toy camera, mm-hmm. it was a Crayola camera for oh, whatever nice. reason why Crayola made cameras. <laughs> and it was super colorful. Yeah, it was I can red, imagine, green, right? yellow, yeah. blue, like, and it had film that <laughs> went in the back. So and it so worked. It was a real, it was like a camera that was like shaped like a rectangle. So like a crayon box, basically. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, okay, um, she doesn't want this anymore. I'm just going to play with it. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably my earliest memory. However, um, there's a gap. Right. <laughs> and right. then I see myself in high school and I asked my parents for a camera mm-hmm. and my mom bought me this digital camera mm-hmm. and I would take the photo and it would pop up on the back of the screen. Yeah. And I thought I was doing something yeah. and the screen was like a half a centimeter long. <laughs> <laughs> So, that's how it starts though. Oh, so, but I was so proud of it. Yeah. Um, 
Also, too, I enjoyed uh, like going to and from Walmart mm-hmm. to the photo center, right? To the little like kiosk, turn in. Well, actually, to the the, the people, yeah. um, to like here's my film. Yeah, you and actually so had like, to interact with I a human. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these days you just a human punch in the digital whatever. Right, and, and I had to wait like out. two weeks. Yeah, until it was, and then he came back in this folder. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, um. Then I got the little digital camera and they just kind of grew from mm-hmm. there. Um, and then I got one in uh, in college. Mm-hmm. Once that first refund check came. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yes. Upgrade. Um, so we upgraded. And then I was like, oh, my birthday is coming around a year or two later. And I was like, they were like, what do you want? A new camera. <laughs> You guessed it. So they just kept getting bigger and bigger and a little bit more and more expensive. And so I just love the look of photography. I love different styles of photography, but I just didn't exactly, I I certainly did not know how to execute that Mm -hmm. or manifest that. Right. Um, However, it was always a little hobby Mm -hmm. in, in the background. Um, So now, fast forward, I'm at UDC and I'm working a nine to five and I'm just like, okay, a shift, is, a shift is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it that I can do? And I prayed this prayer. I was like, Lord, what is it that I can do for the rest of my life that I will just enjoy? Like, how is it that some of these people out here in this world talk about, I never work a day in my life yeah. because I do what I love right. every day. And I'm yeah. like, how can I be one of those people? So, um, and it's evident that you didn't feel that at the time. It was just not a part of your life. Yeah. And so I was just like, okay, well, what is it that I can do? Mm -hmm. And God was like photography. And I was like, hold on, Jesus. You probably didn't hear me. Let me, (laughs) let me rephrase that. Let me pray that again. Cause (laughs) I'm certain that I didn't hear that. Um, cause at the time to my own ignorance, I was like, photographers don't make money yeah was that a major concern going in was a financial instability of that field or i mean it it can be very lucrative it can also be a total pain it wasn't even a thought Mm. it was like is that a real thing people really do that yeah but we we live in a world where there's we live in a media driven world more and more we just don't realize well at the time maybe it was just me i'll speak for myself but i didn't really pay attention that there were hands behind the camera yeah that TV show yeah. you watch, somebody produced that. Right. Like those photos that you saw on the billboard, somebody took that. Yeah. I like, mean, you, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Right. And when you get that introduction, you get that little taste. Yeah. And then you dive down the rabbit hole. You figure out there it's are whole tons of careers involved here. Yes. And they're and big so, careers. Um, I negotiated with the Lord mm-hmm. um, a little bit more because I was like, mm, are you sure? Like me asking God, right. are you sure? Um, <laughs> just so, but certainly, and I prayed about it. He confirmed it. And I was like, okay. Um, okay. So we're going to do this. Yeah. We're going to do this, but I'm still a little nervous. So I'm not just going to jump off on the deep end. Mm-hmm. I saved a little bit of a nest egg for yep. several months down the road, um, in regards to my savings, mm-hmm. of course. And like I said, I was making the most money I had ever made. I might as well had just done right by it and saved it on up. And so that's what I did anyway. Yeah. Um, and so when I walked away, I walked away to nothing. Mm -hmm. I'll just be clear because I didn't have a job lined up. I just knew that at this point, mental health is my priority. Yeah. 
my yeah. piece is very costly mm-hmm. and I have, I have sacrificed that. Yeah. Well, it's especially challenging when you're making that transition to maybe a little more of an uncertain scenario Mm -hmm. because you'll hear about people who will do their photo gigs on the weekends or any in the evenings after their jobs have concluded and they sort of gradually, it's like an osmosis into a new career or something, but you kind of went right there, right there. And with the savings though. Yes. Um, that's an important factor. Like this is a disclaimer. Don't there was security there. there. Yes. (laughs) So, um, so, yeah, after I realized I had been compromising my peace for way too long, mm-hmm. um, I decided to make that leap. Mm-hmm. And that was terrifying. Yeah. Um, oh, it gives me chills just to think about <laughs> just to think about it, um, because I was very much in an uncertain place in my life. Yeah. I knew something had to give. Mm-hmm. And the shift was happening. Right. So I may as well lean into it. Yeah. And if I fail, then I can always come back to corporate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe UDC. Um, But I was going to at least try. Right. And um, so I applied to several different jobs. Um, Maybe 90% of the jobs were higher ed. I can't lie because Mm -hmm. that was where my comfort zone was. It was extremely uncomfortable for me to apply to um, a job in a field that I had zero training expertise in like Mm -hmm. whatsoever. I am a hobbyist straight out the gate. I don't even understand what all the buttons on the camera do do at this point. Um, and depending on which day you catch me now, some days I still feel like, hey, well, <laughs> like that. they keep on adding like, more. It's that? hard to keep up. Where did that come from? Um, <laughs> Function 21. Right. Need that. So, um, so, yeah, I decided to make the leap and I um, applied to a very small percentage of photography jobs. Mm-hmm. One of them called me back and said, hey, let's meet at Starbucks for an interview. And I was like, oh, this is scary. OK. Yeah. Um, and so, again, made another tiny little leap, mm-hmm. um, took another tiny little step forward. And I sat down and I had the conversation. They became um, ex- well, they experienced me and my personality and all the things that comes with that. Um, and they hired me on the spot that day. That's and I awesome. was just like, it's the power of a face-to-face meeting right there for I'm anyone watching. You, and maybe coffee. Yeah. Um, so from there, that's, that opened up a door to a four-year journey mm-hmm. of working for a school photography company. Yeah. Um, I never knew this about you. I didn't know you took that initial sort of pathway. Yeah, I did. But that's um, a big thing you think about, and this is maybe an industry guarded secret, but the people mm, out there who do like school photos yeah, and they do like a, an entire region and they're the person that they go yeah. to for that. That's some cash. Yeah. They, I, I was just like, um, if it weren't honestly for that job, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been as exposed to the DMV. Right. As. I am mm-hmm. like, I couldn't tell you where Loudoun County was from Prince William, from Prince George's and all the princes and all the things. And then you got Baltimore. <laughs> like I couldn't tell you about any of those places or how to get there or even just have a reference point mm-hmm. as well as I do now. Had I not had the experience of traveling up there. Right. 
Um, and so, and it was not limited to the DMV. I must say I've, I've seen North Carolina a few times. I've seen Minnesota, um, a couple of times and Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out why the heck was I in Minnesota, but I was in middle Minnesota where they have wild turkeys and all the things. And I was like, get me back to the land of 10,000 lakes. Um, is that accurate? I'm, I'm not from there, so I'm not going to confirm that. I'll fact check it on the screen. <laughs> I'll fact check that <laughs> later. Um, but yeah, so I, it just, it allowed for me to expand mm-hmm. and the training was free. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I put in some work, like, right. don't get me wrong, but I didn't have to pay to go to school mm-hmm. when I have a job that has a whole training team right. that provided me with all the equipment. It provided mm-hmm. me with all the training. It provided me with all the things. And it allowed for me a foundation right. to build a foundation. And yeah. so that's what um, I stayed in and focused on mm-hmm. for four years. And then the pandemic yeah, hit. But while I was working um, as a school photographer, it allowed for me to think deeper into the world of photography. Right. So now that I'm doing, now that I have my foot in the door in the industry mm-hmm. of photography what genre would i like to do yeah it's hard to niche down it's really there's so much there's so much i I still don't know if i've really truly if i've truly done it right now today um people see me as a wedding photographer so i'm just like but what does this time next year look like i don't know um I'm just an opportunity away. That's yeah. how I, I try to see it. Um, and you're but, doing more with headshots now, which yeah, is a whole market. And I'm that's, doing more with corporate too. Yep. So mm-hmm. I'm just riding the wave. That's a step away from editorial. Ride, ride the wave. Next thing you know, <laughs> New York Times, Washington Post going to be calling you up. Oh hey, my gosh. Got a story. We need you to cover it. Well, yeah, let's, hey, yes, let's do it. Yeah. Um, I have a friend named John <laughs> that I can also bring along. We'll tag team this. Oh, but... We win together. Um, But yeah, so I definitely um, looked more and looked deeper into the world of photography, different genres of photography. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned that I um, am not as great at newborn photography as I thought that maybe I was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, you just don't know until you try. Exactly. Um, so from there, the pandemic then eventually happened. I'm in about year, uh, three and a half or maybe three, Mm -hmm. um, or yeah, maybe about three. Um, and the world sat down all at the same time for about two years. And so when I realized I had the gift of time and the space and opportunity to think, Mm -hmm. Um, I really took advantage of that. And, um, somewhere along the way, which I missed a step or two, I did create an LLC, um, which was mini crop photography. I started my business. Um, but I mean, that's the easy part. You yeah. can spend like a hundred bucks in the Just state of Virginia to start right? a, a business, but growing the business is a whole nother thing. Yes, exactly. Um, nobody told me, but yeah, so I learned that. Um, on my own, mm-hmm. m- mostly learning that I have to grow the business. Yeah. And then that's where mentors kind of came into yeah. play later down the road. Right. Um, but then I also had a very good community of people mm-hmm. around me that pushed me mm-hmm. and encouraged me and believed in me um, yeah. and sold good seeds. Um, my now wonderful husband, because mm-hmm. um, I just got married. Yeah. 
He's over there. He's literally 10 <laughs> feet away. <laughs> but that's something that you talk uh, about with that first photography position where a lot of people, I think, get stuck in the mindset that in order to become you know, an expert in a field, you have to go get a four-year education or you have to go to an accredited yeah. institution to learn a skill. And there's value in that. Mm -hmm. I have sure. I have no doubt. I've For done sure. that. I've done that. So yeah. I know that there's value in it, both from an academic and a social perspective. Yeah. But if you want to learn something in today's day and age, yeah. you can go teach yourself that skill relatively yeah. easily. And through yeah. trial and error, yeah. you can get this thing done. So, I mean, you look at photography, you look at video production. They're more or less pretty technical fields. Mm -hmm. But there are people out there in the form of mentors. There are tutorials. There are articles. Yeah. There's your own ability to go out and try something, fail, and pick it up again and, yeah. and try it another time. Um, you, you know, the ability to learn in this specific you know, genre of careers is unlimited. And yeah. so that's a good point to segue into maybe a mentor of, of late that you've had. You've worked with some really stellar photographers in this region. Yes. You kind of got to shadow and pick their brain a little bit. Yeah. So for that, I am appreciative. Um, one of my, and I can name them in order. It's only, it's only a handful. I can count mm -hmm. on one hand, but they were solid and mm -hmm. they are solid people and yeah. still, um, very much present in my life. Mm -hmm. And I also learned through mentorship in this phase of my life that um, there are seasons mm -hmm. and the seasons do change. Yes, they do. Even for mentors that you try to hold on to for dear life, <laughs> um, at least in that space. So mm -hmm. at, you can learn, 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 but at some point you have to execute. Um, and so my first mentor, I found her on Instagram. Mm -hmm. She was um, this lady that was an extreme hobbyist. Her name is Sharon Bovell. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I love your work. Yeah. Do you mind if we connect? And sure enough, we did. Um, she has a at-home studio mm -hmm. in her that was built in her garage at the time. Um, and we would go or get together there mm -hmm. and work until the sun went down. Yeah. And again rinse and repeat rinse yeah. and repeat and, and all so, it took was a message right you just it. sent that message and that was the connection point yeah and yet again that's another little tiny leap um that's why i said there are leaps within leaps within leaps mm -hmm. um and so you have to put yourself out there and just basically get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Important. So that's how she came into my life. I was like, hi, my name is Stephanie. And I don't know nothing about a camera. Like <laughs> she was like, Oh, she was like, don't worry about yeah, it. She was just I got like, you. Yeah. Like, let me just, just take you under my wing. And she did. And, um, she was the first one. Um, and then after that, after a couple of years, um, working very closely with her, um, I ended up meeting Laura Hatcher. And you showed me her website just recently. Yes. Really awesome. She's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Also based in Alexandria. And she's mm -hmm. physically like based yeah, in very close to you. Um, Alexandria in Old Town. She mm -hmm. does have a studio and she's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Ex-military curls yeah. out of this world. Yeah. <laughs> she's amazing. Um, and she's expanding and growing. Um, she so does good work. She yes, does good work she, and vital work, work that people need. A lot of headshot materials. Yes. And and she specializes need. in veterans that are coming out of that world mm -hmm. of the military and transitioning into the civilian life. Yeah. So y'all look her up if y'all know any veterans. Um, and then from there, Myron Fields mm -hmm. of M Fields Photography 
who is my current mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's phenomenal, such a storyteller mm-hmm. and not just storytelling um, in the sense of putting words together verbally, mm-hmm. but being able to, to to tell a story in a frame yeah. um, of a photo. Yeah. And that's a skill in and of itself. That's an art. It's a gift. A gift. Put any <laughs> word you is. want on it. It's special. Yes. And it's something that can be taught, I'm sure. But to have it innately mm-hmm. um, and just naturally, it's like I can just sit and listen to him talk all day. But he yeah. does not have that time. But, right. <laughs> you know, it's just like anytime he speaks, I listen. Yes. Anytime Laura speaks, I listen. Anytime mm-hmm. Sharon speaks, I listen. Um, because you have to, and there were other, other mentors also in between those three. Um, don't get me wrong, but, um, but yeah, like these, these people are, they're regular everyday people with phenomenal stories Mm -hmm. and the heart to give the heart to serve Mm -hmm. and the heart to teach. And so for that, I am grateful to them. And another, um, photographer that's also, um, attributed to my my growth and expansion um in photography was is daryl todd mm-hmm. and he's also local to washington yeah. dc and yeah. everybody loves daryl so um next up is john yeah. branch <laughs> next up is john branch john branch are you listening are you listening to this we have someone who would love to help you on your next assignment john, we need john branch on the show hey we're, we're gonna that would be this, awesome we're gonna send this to them and let yeah. them know that we're fans <laughs> That'd be great for anyone watching or listening. John is an amazing wedding. If you know John lifestyle Branch, portrait tell photographer. Him, tell him where to find us. Yes. Send this to him. But he's close. That's the that's <laughs> the cool is. thing. But yeah. you made a really profound point, and that was you know when you are around these people who are acting as mentors for you, yes. just be a sponge. That's it. Just soak it all up. I mm-hmm. I had the privilege of being on a call last night, a Zoom call. Totally random, but there was a gentleman on Facebook who bid on a job that I also bid on. Mm -hmm. And similar to what you did on this messaging system, I reached out on Facebook. I just said, hey, man, your website is amazing. You've done some incredible work. Could you spare 10 minutes and just hop on a Zoom call with me? Spent 90 minutes on a Zoom call with that guy. And he introduced me then into a group of other filmmakers, people who work as lighting technicians, audio technicians, so on and so forth for major motion pictures. I'm talking big name stuff and I'm just a fly on the wall. There was a gentleman in the in the call last night for 10 minutes straight mm-hmm. talking about his experience working on set and I swear I had to google 15 or 20 items of what he was talking about just hey just to keep up what is that this is that industry lingo in, yeah. yeah industry and lingo and they are dropping dimes like this like right just knowledge bombs a lot of times I'm just like you know I'm just going to listen and put my phone here on record cuz I say can't, that one more time yes I exactly can't keep up with it all like and I don't want to interrupt the flow or the momentum right. of what you're teaching to be like, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Wait, what does that mean? Wait, can you Google that? Can you explain that? Yep. And then the path that you were on takes you down another rabbit hole exactly. just to catch you up to where I yeah. was. So, And they're just chatting. It's all just casual. Chatting. So when it's you, just yeah. in them. Mm-hmm. And when so, you get to be a fly on the wall in that scenario, yeah. it's just being open to opportunity, yeah. being willing to say yes, being willing to work hard mm-hmm. and go with the flow. And if you communicate your desires to those individuals along that path, things yeah. will open up for you. Yes. So 
I mean, for anyone listening who wants to adventure into this creative space, just uh, be receptive to, you know, critique, to growth. Any of that stuff can Mm -hmm. really change your life on a dime. So, Oh, man. Talk about who you know and opportunities and the and the courage to say yes yes yeah i i vital i cannot even imagine the fact that i'm sitting here um you know on this podcast interview talking about my journey as a photographer that is crazy it's awesome it's awesome just a few years ago, I was like, hi, my name is Stephanie, and I'm a photographer, or I have this tool in my hands, or what am I doing with this? You can you say know, it a little louder I am. now. Yeah. Now I'm Stephanie, and I have this tool in my hand, and I'm, you know, all the things. So. Well, if you had to look in the mirror, who's Stephanie? You know, you, you think about the journey you've been on. Yeah. Uh, what do you, how do you see yourself now? That is deep. <laughs> Good luck. Um, oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, who is Stephanie when I look in the mirror? Um, I am colorful. I'm vibrant. I'm eccentric. I am the manifestation of my ancestors' wildest dreams, if they had one like mm-hmm. this. Um, I'm a child of God. I... Ooh, this is giving me chills. Sorry. Um, no, it's good. Yeah, I am. I am a product of the I am. And I reverberate light and sound in this mm-hmm. world. And I'm grateful for the space that I take up in this world because somebody needs me mm-hmm. um, to take up space and to do what I'm doing. Um, I am a open door mm-hmm. for the next Stephanie that's coming behind me and I'm leaving it open for her to walk through. Mm-hmm. So it's not as hard, um, as when I had to walk through it. Um, yeah. and I'm a well, I am deep and I hold, um, a lot of love, knowledge, compassion to be able to give and to be able to serve. Very well said. Incredibly well said. And as a final note on the wealth of self, this is all about discovering what we feel makes us wealthy. Yes. Oftentimes that is not financial in any way, shape, or form. For sure. You know, that's family, it's community. It's different for all of us. But when you think about what has made you truly wealthy, what is it? Oh, God. Um, Literally, God. Uh, God is my center, and I'm interconnected with him. And... Mm -hmm. For me to be able to have relationships and love, um, creativity, to have the flexibility of freedom of time, mm-hmm. um, that is phenomenal. Like, yes, it is, yeah. what nine to five? Like, <laughs> it's, but it is work though. Don't get me wrong, is, because yeah. I, I did leave a nine to five to go to a 24 <laughs> seven. Um, <laughs> but I, I would do my 24 seven any day before I would do a nine to five again. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can last a nine to five right now, but nevertheless, I I'm wealthy in so many ways. I'm wealthy in my relationship with God, my relationships with family, um, my relationship with time mm-hmm. that I respect time. Um, and the people that have helped to shape me, mm-hmm. Um, I'm wealthy in that way because I have connections and 
relation, just true, genuine relationships. Not that I want anything from them or they want anything from me, yeah. but it's just who they are and how they take up space in this world right. is um, complementary to who I am and how I take up space in this world. And so together we're able to create something beautiful that never previously existed. And mm-hmm. hopefully one day I can be able to stand in that gap for someone else and pass yeah. that along. Yeah. Well, you will. And you're, you're already doing it. You effervesce positivity. It's just like, it's coming out of my pores. <laughs> it's amazing. Honestly, it's the, it's the quality about you that I um, yeah. most appreciate. You're just a, you Thank radiate you. positivity and you keep on doing that. I appreciate so, it. Of course. I sure will. Well, thanks for doing this. This has been amazing. Yes. I've enjoyed this. Thank I got you. to learn more about you and, and yeah. all the different elements that make you who you are. So thank you very much for having me. Of course. I am honored. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Wealth of Self podcast. The audio only version of these stories can be found on nearly every major podcast streaming platform from Spotify to Apple podcasts and many, many more. Your support as we grow this movement is immensely appreciated. You can help us out by leaving a rating, writing a short review, or even sharing it with a friend or a loved one who you feel would benefit from hearing these stories. Finally, if you're interested in seeing the video interview that accompanies these stories, head over to our YouTube channel or our Facebook page for the full viewing experience. While you're there, don't forget to leave a like, subscribe, or follow the channel and share your thoughts in the comment section. For additional information on how to support the wealth of self, head over to www.wealthofself.com. Thank you so much for your viewership. We'll see you on the next one.